0: Ask for your grace to be with us when as we hear you speak to us. May your word encourage our hearts and teach us truth about you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It is said that a truly humble person is heart to find, yet God delights to honour such people. I'd like to begin with a story. You see, there was a man by the name of Booker T. Washington. He was a professor, a professor and he eventually became the president of a very renowned Institute so shortly after becoming the president he was walking in a a very exclusive section in town where he was stopped by a very wealthy woman, and not knowing the famous professor Washington by sight meaning she doesn't know uh, she probably knew there is such a person professor Washington but she didn't know how the person looked like so these women asked if he would like to earn a few dollars by chopping wood for her. And the story also specifically mentions that Professor Washington is a black person, and the woman is a white. And I think this incident probably took place during the time whereby there were discrimination happening between the black people and the white people. So this white woman walks up to a black man who happened to be a president of an institute, and asked him if he would like to earn a few dollars. You now she probably thought to, to herself, oh, you poor man. Here, let me help you by giving you some work to do. And because the professor had no press, pressing business at the moment, he smiled, he rolled up his sleeve, and proceeded to do the humble chore which she had requested him to do and when he, when he had finished chopping the woods, he carried the woods into the house and stacked them neatly next to the fireplace. And There was a, a girl in, in, there who recognized this professor and later revealed his identity to this white woman. The next morning, this embarrassed woman went to see Professor Washington in his office, and she began to apologize to him profusely. To that, the professor replied, Madam, it's perfectly all right. Occasionally, I enjoy a little manual work. It helps me be a bit strong. And besides, it's always a delight to do something for a friend. She shook his hands warmly and assured him that his meek and gracious attitude had endeared him and his work to her heart. And not too long after that, She showed her appreciation to the professor by contributing to his institute. Now, this whole story, my friends, there's one thing that I see in this story about Professor Washington. And the one thing I see about him is that he took no offence in how he was treated or rather looked upon. He was not offended. Now, throughout the Gospels, we find incidents whereby Jesus offends people by the way he calls them. But he calls the Pharisees and the scribes certain names. Can you, can you tell me what, what he calls them? For example, he calls them hypocrites. Some are? Huh? Brood of wipers. Some are? He calls them snakes or serpents. He calls them blind fools. He calls them murderers. And we find that this, the, you know, the Pharisees and the scribes could never really accept all this from Jesus. In today's passage, we meet a woman, a syro woman, whom Jesus referred to as a dog. But unlike the Pharisees and the scribes, this woman seemed to agree and accept what is said of her. And nowhere in the text we find that she was offended. Now, let's look at the text. In Mark chapter 7, verses 24 onwards, we find Jesus arriving in a place called Tyre. Now, Tyre is a city on the Phoenician coast and it's about 35 miles northwest of the Sea of Galilee. So, in a sense, Jesus is in a Gentile territory. Jesus, who is a Jew, is in a Gentile territory. And one would be wondering, what is he doing there? Especially if you remember what was shared last week by Pastor Ronald, A Jew would not even allow the shadow of a Gentile to fall upon him. Do you remember that? No reason is given as to why Jesus went there, but it does say in the text that he entered a home and did not want his presence to be seen. He did not want anyone to know about it. But that intention obviously didn't work because he could not keep his presence a secret. So a woman eventually finds out and she comes to Jesus and falls at his feet. And Mark ex- explicitly mentions that she is born in Syrian Phoenicia. She is a Greek. Therefore, she is a Gentile woman. She comes from a background of pagan worshippers. So that's her background. She comes to Jesus with a very desperate need. She comes and she falls at his feet and pleads with Jesus to heal her little daughter who was possessed by an evil spirit. Now, I would like us to imagine, imagine, she is a mother whose little daughter is possessed by an evil spirit. And although this text here does not specifically mention what the evil spirit does to the little child, but we can know from other passages, for example, in Luke chapter 9, in Luke chapter 9, Jesus encounters another man whose son is seized by a spirit. In that passage, we get a picture of what a spirit does to a child. If you look at Luke 9... 37 It says a spirit Seizes him and he suddenly Screams It throws him into convulsions, So that he foams At the mouth It scarcely ever leaves him And is destroying Him So That is pretty much a picture of what Possibly could be happening To this little girl Here And you can imagine the stress and the pain and the helplessness and the hopelessness and the anxiety that this mother goes through every day as she watches the evil spirit destroy the life of her precious little daughter little by little every day. And besides that, this woman probably had no one to go to People would probably avoid her or ignore her altogether. And because of her situation, she could also be marginalised or stigmatised by her community. And so it is with such desperateness, friends, imagine with such desperateness, she comes to Jesus, falls at his feet, begs Jesus to please drive the demon out of her daughter. And Jesus says this, First, let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, one would wonder why in the world would Jesus even speak like that? Throughout the Gospels, we find Jesus being compassionate, he's kind, he's gentle, he's loving, he's forgiving. But here, he don't seem to show any of that to us, this poor woman. He seemed to be quite insensitive, very distant. And he says to her, first let the children eat all they want. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. You see, friends, the Jews often use the word dogs to refer to the Gentile. And they would use the word children to refer to themselves. Gentile, you're a dog. I'm a Jew. I'm children of God. By saying this, first let the children eat all they want, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it To their dogs Jesus essentially states the nature or rather the pattern of his ministry salvation first comes to the Jews and then to the Gentiles now some of us may be asking why Jews first why not all together does this mean that God has favorites first to the Jews and then to the gentiles is that why jesus is withholding healing for this little child the answer is obviously no because we find in romans If we look at romans 1 verses 16 it says i am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of god for the salvation of everyone who believes First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. Romans 2, verses 9 to 11. There is trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. First for the Jews, then for the Gentiles. But glory, honor, and peace for everyone who does good. First for the Jews, and then for the Gentiles. For God Does not show favoritism. So here in Romans, Paul clearly tells us that God does not show favoritism. He doesn't have favorites. So, what exactly does he mean by first for the Jew and then for the Gentile? Now, if we are to go way back to Genesis, Genesis chapter 12, we find that God chose Abraham. He calls out to him and says to him, leave your country, your people, and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. He chooses Abraham and he says that to him. And then in verses 2 and 3, Genesis 12, 2 and 3, he says, I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed. Through you. And I would like us to particularly pay attention to the last bit of verse 2 here. It says, And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, friends, right from the beginning, God already had the whole humanity in mind. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And I have come to realize, as I ponder on these verses, the Jews are simply the starting point of God's redemptive work. God begins first with the Jews, and through them, all peoples on earth, i.e. everyone, will be blessed. That is the nature and pattern of God's redemptive process. So it is not really about favoritism. Rather, the Jews are the starting point. So that's the pattern, salvation first for the Jews and then to the Gentiles. But we must always remember that's the pattern. But the mandate that Jesus gives to his disciples is to reach out to all nations. We see that in the Great Commission. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So coming back to today's passage, when Jesus says to these Syrophoenician women, first let the children eat all they want, he told her, for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to Their dogs, Jesus is basically telling her the nature and pattern of his work. The woman understands what Jesus is saying. She not only understands it, she also accepts it. Look at the way she replies. He says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. She agrees. She says, yes, Lord. Say, yes, I I am a Gentile. And Jesus' ministry, yes, it's first to the Jews, but even the dogs, referring to herself, even the dogs under the table, eat the children's crumb. All this woman did was to acknowledge what Jesus says of her and only ask for a crumb. You know, D.L. Moody has this to say. I hope you can see it. He says this, grace means undeserved kindness. It is a gift of God to men the moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. The moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. And that's exactly how this woman saw herself. She saw herself as unworthy. You no, it is like, yep, I am a Gentile woman. Yeah, my daughter is demon-possessed. And I come from a background of pagan worshippers. Yes, I don't deserve this kindness. You know, we find that this woman does not demand Jesus to heal her daughter. There's nowhere in the text that it says that she demands. She simply begs and she pleads. She doesn't get angry for what Jesus said to her. She was not offended. She humbled herself and accepted what Jesus said of her. And Jesus was not being sarcastic, although it may sound that way. You know, when I I was reading this passage at the beginning of the week, I was like, oh my goodness, why did he even say like that? I actually thought to myself, how rude huh, Jesus. But he wasn't being rude when he said He may sound like that, he may sound sarcastic, but Jesus was simply giving her this woman the actual picture of her state. You are a dog. Because it's a parable. That's a parable. You know it is like, you know, it's like having it's like this, huh? it's like having a mirror. And the mirror reveals the ugly truth about ourselves. And sometimes, you know, and sometimes our family or our friends become that mirror, becomes that mirror. The mirror which shows us our faults, our mistakes, our flaws, or who we actually are. And very often we get offended. Very often we get offended. And because we get offended, we turn away. Turn away. You know, I'm reminded of this story of King David. You remember the story of King David? King David, as we all know, he sinned. And Prophet Nathan was that mirror to David. And Nathan used a parable to show David that he had sinned. That story is found in 2 Samuel chapter 12. And so Nathan, you know that story. So Nathan says to David, you know, in this this parable, he says to David, you know, there's a man, there's two men in a certain town. One is rich, and one is poor. The rich man, because he's rich, he had everything: sheep, cattle, and whatever, whatever else, you name it, he has it. The poor man, on the other hand, has nothing except for one little lamb. The lamb was precious to the poor man. He raised it and he grew up with him and his children. He shared his food, drank from his cup, and even slept in his arms. The little lamb was like a daughter to him. And one day, a traveler comes to a rich man, but the rich man, instead of taking one of his sheep to prepare for the meal, he took the one and only lamb that this poor man has and prepared it. For the one who came now king david as he was listening to this parable or this story he becomes very angry against this man and he says as surely as the lord lives the man who did this deserved to die he must pay for the lamb four times because he did such an evil thing and had no pity and it was then that the Nathan said to king david what did he say you are the man. Nathan was that mirror to David to show David how he had sinned against God. Now, did Nathan? Ex- I mean, did, did David accept it from Nathan? Did David get offended? Oh, yo, I'm a king. You know, how can you say like that to me? No, he accepted it, and he turned to God and confessed. His sin Then David said to Nathan, "I have sinned against the Lord." Nathan replied, "The Lord has taken away your sin. You are not going to die." And you read the psalms that David himself wrote. we get a glimpse of how God's grace and forgiveness means so much to David. Psalms 32 and 51 are examples of such expressions. The Sirent Phoenician woman here, likewise, did not get offended. And because she did not get offended, she stayed with Jesus. She did not turn away. And as a result of that, she received God's grace. Her daughter was healed. Then he told her, for such a reply... You may go, the demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on bed and the demon gone. So this quote is quite true, my, my friends. It's very true for, in the life of David. It's very true in the life of this Syrophoenician woman. Grace means undeserved kindness. It is a gift of God, cannot demand a gift from God, to men the moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. You know, if you look at the bulletin, the first and the second question that I've put there under thing Reflect, and Act upon are, the first question is, is there anything in the story that offends you? Take some time to examine our hearts. And not just in the story Does anything in your life offends you? And why does it offend you? Sometimes we get easily offended when people say something uh, to us And because we get offended so quickly We do not pause to reflect whether Is there truth in what this person says? We need to learn to pause And ask ourselves, is there truth? In what this person says and the second question is is there anything that keeps us away from receiving God's grace in our lives pride keeps us away from receiving God's grace surrender it to God moving on my dear friends we find that as we read on Jesus' ministry continues on according to the way God has ordained it to be Jesus lives the vicinity of Tyre, and then he moves down to to the Sea of Galilee through Sidon, and he arrives at this place called the Decapolis. And there, Jesus healed the person who was deaf and mute. You find that story following after this. If you remember in Isaiah, Isaiah 35 Verses 5 to 6 says says this, Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. We see this prophecy of Isaiah coming to fulfilment. And it's interesting to note that this prophecy is being fulfilled in a Gentile territory. Jesus is in the region of Decapolis. It's a Gentile territory. Yes, the nature of Jesus' ministry begins with the Jew, with the Jews, and now it is spreading out to the Gentiles. And the people who witnessed the healing could testify to it. It says in verse 37, people were amazed with, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even make the deaf hear and the mute speak. So, so this is the nature and pattern of God's redemptive work. And are we able to recognize it happening in our midst and are we able to testify to it you know we we look at god's work for example in the mccallum ministry and then we look at god's work in the in the school ministry the the reading program in mbs and then we we look at god's work in in the missions like to Lubukantu, to the orang asli villages or even to cambodia can we see that God, in a sense, begins with us here in Trinity? He begins with us here in Trinity, and then He gives us the mandate to reach out to those who are outside of us. Question three that I've put there Do we recognize God's work in our midst? And are we able to describe it and testify? to it friends always remember that god begins with us he gives us his grace we don't deserve it we experience his grace and the mandate is to share and reach out to other people and always remember this this quote Grace means undeserved kindness. It is a gift of God to men the moment he sees he is unworthy of God's favor. Let us learn to be humble, just like this Syrophoenician woman. Let us not get so easily offended. And when we experience God's grace in our lives, may we never forget to reach out to others. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your grace in our lives. And sometimes, Lord, you speak truth into our hearts, which are at times not pleasant. Help us, Lord, not to be offended, but to come to a realisation that you speak truth in our lives out of love. And help us, Lord, to turn to you in repentance in jesus name we pray amen friends in response